The need to assess and improve surgical outcomes is a common United States healthcare goal. Methods for evaluating surgical outcomes, however, are extremely varied and often lacking in critical information. How can we do a better job at evaluating where we are at and where the greatest problems exist as a basis for improvement? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Donald Fry, Executive Vice President of Clinical Outcomes Management at Michael Pine & Associates, a healthcare think tank. Prior to joining Michael Pine & Associates, Dr. Fry had a 30-year distinguished career as Professor of Surgery, Chairman and Chief of Surgery and Director of Trauma at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. Welcome, Dr. Fry. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Today we are discussing measuring outcomes of surgical care. Dr. Fry, take us back to your clinical surgical experience. What type of quality measures were present at that time in the operating room? From the early years of my clinical practice, the major outcomes that we looked at were crude measures, if you will, of what was the mortality rate of patients that you operated on, what were the surgical site infection rates. Those were the two focuses of a quality review. Was that adequate? I think it was clearly a very inadequate, and it was inadequate because one assumed that gross measures of surgical site infection rate and mortality rate were uniform across all populations of patients. Could you expand upon that, sir? Patients present with different risks. Patients that are in excellent health, that are having an elective colon operation for colon cancer at, shall we say, age 60, represent without significant comorbid conditions, a very good surgical risk, and one can anticipate good outcomes. However, if a similar 60-year-old patient were to have chronic renal failure, severe brittle diabetes, underlying hepatic cirrhosis, that is to say, a wealth of comorbid conditions, one can fully expect that mortality rates and infection rates would be greater. So one of the great shortcomings in my years of surgical practice is that the tendency was always to do gross assessments of outcome without risk adjusting the population. And to that end, it's been only of recent years that statistical methods have been validated to show that you can make risk adjustments and you can determine a predicted rate of complications in a patient population so that the gross rate of what is observed can be compared to the predicted rate 
and one does not. Identify problems of the patient's risk as opposed to less than ideal outcomes as being less than ideal outcomes as being responsible for the observed statistics. Are there any generally accepted standards today in measuring the surgical outcome? I would have to say that there are not. And the reason I say that is traditionally in measuring outcomes, we have only measured events that may have occurred in the hospital. We may have only measured events that occurred within a 30-day window of the procedure or the care that was delivered. I think in the arena of surgical site infection, for example, the era of shorter hospitalizations, the era of more procedures being done in the ambulatory setting means that more and more surgical site infections are not declared or identified till many days or even weeks after discharge. We know, for example, that patients that have major operations may not even have death related to the procedure until weeks or months after discharge, after discharge and readmission. My point is is that our tracking mechanisms to identify the outcomes over an appropriate period of post-discharge time have been lacking. The net effect is that we really don't know what outcomes happen to be, and I think at the present time we probably continue to underestimate the actual rates of surgical site infections because our surveillance mechanisms for post-discharge tracking of the patients remain inadequate. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Donald Fry, executive vice president of clinical outcomes management at Michael Pine and Associates, a healthcare think tank. We are discussing measuring outcomes of surgical care. Dr. Fry, what are never events? Well, never events are those events or complications in patient care that we all believe, given an effectively functioning health care system and competent health care providers, should never occur. Perfect examples of never events in my mind would be wrong site surgery. Another never event that I think we would agree is the retention of surgical instruments or surgical sponges following an operation. The point being a never event in surgery is one that we would expect should not occur given proper functioning of all elements of the healthcare system. Dr. Fry, tell us about your recent study to evaluate surgical risk. Well, we have been interested in surgical risk 
because we need to stratify our populations and identify those factors that are going to be associated with poorer outcomes. So as opposed to never events, we recognize that major operations such as heart procedures, total joint operations, major colon operations, they are going to have risks of infection, risk of a whole array of complications, and yes, a risk of death from the operation. So what we have tried to do with our recent publication in the Annals of Surgery is identify those variables that contribute to the risk of an adverse outcome. And by measuring those variables, we can then take a population of surgical patients and we can identify what would be the predicted outcome given standards of care being applied so that we can then meaningfully evaluate an observed rate of adverse outcome against the predicted values. It really allows us to adjust for the patient risk factors so that when we look at an outcome, we are not biased by just the gross observed value, but we are interpreting it in terms of the risk that the patient population presented with. Is this a framework that could be implemented at some level to evaluate outcomes for a hospital or healthcare system or even a state? We believe that it can. We believe that appropriate coding at the time of discharge appropriate coding at the time that patients are admitted of what are the comorbid conditions, the importation of admission-level vital signs and laboratory data will allow us to profile all of the risk factors that the patient presents with so that we can predict the probability of doing well and of not doing well so that when we evaluate the experience of a single surgeon, of a single hospital, perhaps hospitals across the entire state, you could make meaningful comparisons that are not biased by the unique risk factors that a given hospital or clinician may see in their respective practices. Dr. Fry, in a, in a simple way, why is this so important rather than just continue to use the same standards we used 25, 30 years ago of evaluating surgical care? Well, clinical outcomes are now being published on the Internet. They are being published in newspapers. There is an increasing public and political demand for disclosure of outcomes. It is felt that disclosure of outcomes will serve the healthcare consumer well by allowing them to compare different institutions. It would be, in my judgment, a sad mistake to compare 
inner city hospitals, for example, in Chicago, which might have a much higher risk population, to a smaller suburban facility that may not. The fact is, is that one has to risk adjust the population so that you have a predicted outcome based on the comorbid conditions of the patient and only then can you make a meaningful interpretation of the observed rates of adverse events. I want to thank Dr. Donald Fry, who has been our guest. We have been discussing measuring outcomes of surgical care. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.